You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So great to see you guys this morning and so, so glad to be here and excited to share in the Lord's table together. And uh, as I've been studying, as we've been working through the book of Proverbs, and I have to tell you, it's getting challenging. I Dozens and dozens of verses I'm looking at and how in the world do you take a book with so many topics and so many things and try to narrow it down? I was even this morning cutting out verses because, you know, you kind of study and before you know it, you've got 10 verses from one point. And I'm like, we, no, none of us can absorb all of that. So I'm like, just bring it and shrink it down. But I made a discovery this week that I didn't realize before, or at least if I had, I'd forgotten it and I hadn't picked up on it. But we know the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom, right? book of Psalms, it's been said, gives us the mind of God. Often when I, I recommend this all the time to people, if you know we're struggling, we're kind of going through some stuff, trying to figure things out and need to be encouraged, I point people to the Psalms. Not every Psalm will speak to your situation, but a bunch of them do. And I'm very pragmatic, you know, if you read one and it doesn't hit home, Go to the next one. Go until you find one and then kind of hang out there when that one kind of speaks to you. But So the Psalms kind of teach us the heart of God. Proverbs teaches us the mind of God, kind of gives us the wisdom, gives us the things that we need to think about. And the word wisdom in Proverbs is used 46 times, okay? 46, which is a lot. That's significant. But I discovered something. The word righteous and, word, and the word righteousness which righteous is an adjective, righteousness is a noun, same exact word, is in Proverbs over a hundred times, more than twice the usage of wisdom. In fact, if we dig a little bit deeper, the Bible has lots of words when it's talking about that which is right, that which is honorable, that which is holy and good. And the Bible uses all kinds of words to describe it. In the book of Proverbs, we find the word blameless and the word purity and the word good and the word upright and all of these, and there's others I'm not even thinking about. When you add all of them together 200 times, the Bible is talking about the positive side of what God, who God is, but really what God wants us to do. And that's not even looking at how many times the Bible talks about wickedness and unrighteousness and kind of the negative side of it as well. And so I want us to realize this morning that really the book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom, but it's wisdom that points us to the righteousness of God. And later on in the rest of the Bible, we find out that that righteousness comes to us in a person. It's in Jesus Christ that we experience this. So I did my best to just look at all of these verses that talked about righteousness and the righteous, uh, what it means for us to be righteous and the blessing of that. And I can't think of a better week to do it than the Lord's Supper. Then we are celebrating to just a few minutes when we partake in that supper that Jesus is God's righteousness on our account. And I'll explain a little bit of that in a minute. But till then, I've got kind of like last week, I've got like five or six things that we're going to kind of crank through here pretty quickly. So I'll do my best to talk fast enough, slow enough, but talk fast enough to kind of get us there. So the first thing I want us to recognize in Proverbs is that God loves righteousness. It's what God loves. He is all about and is for you and me being honorable, being godly, being pure, being holy in our lives. God loves righteousness. Look what Proverbs chapter 21 says, verse 3, to do righteousness and justice 
is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. In chapter 8, verse 20, I, he's talking about wisdom, but it's really the wisdom is expressed from God Himself. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice. God tells us that He desires righteousness in our lives more than our acts of worship, more than our sacrifice. We kind of think, well, I'm going to do something big for God, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to you know, kind of lay it out there and sacrifice. And really what God is looking for in our lives is the day in and day out, a life that honors Him, pleases Him when nobody's looking, when nobody's paying attention, when we're the only ones to know what we're doing, what we're thinking, what's going on in our lives. He desires just that day in and day out, righteous living before Him. That's what He wants. Now, in both of these verses, if you look closely, there's righteousness and there's justice. Righteousness is just that, that of us being and doing right. Not so much the right hand, you know, versus the left, but us being right. Us being morally good, if you will. And justice, because of the culture that we live in today, I think as Christians, we often misunderstand what justice is. Justice is not first and foremost, in Bible terms, not first and foremost a social concept or a social construct. It is a personal sense of righteousness. Justice is when the law looks upon us and says, that is just, that is good, that is right. You have done well, you have not done wrong. When the Bible talks about justice, justice and righteousness are hand in hand. In fact, so often they're parallel. Both of these, they're kind of taking two, like two peas in the pod, if you will, right? So it's saying we are doing justice. We are doing things that are right, things that are holy, things that are good, things that are honorable, things that are noble. What God cares about is that we personally in our lives live out that righteousness before a holy God. King Saul in the Old Testament ran himself aground to this point. God had told him, Saul, you need to go and defeat my enemies. And when you capture all of the sheep and all of the cows and all the goats and all the livestock, you are to put all of them to death. That's what I require. We can look at it today like, wow, God, that's kind of bloody. That's not cool. Like, why are you doing that? And you know, I leave those decisions and those thoughts to God. He's bigger than I am, and I've learned not to pick a fight with a bully. And God's not a bully, but He is much greater than us, and so I recognize that, and I bow before God in those things. And Saul didn't do it. And Samuel comes to him, and he says, Hey, I've done well. I've done all that God said. And Samuel is like, What is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? And Saul said, well, I kept them because I wanted to sacrifice to God. And Samuel said, Saul, you have totally messed up, my, my friend. God cares about your obedience, not about your sacrifice. He cares about you just obeying what He says simply. So the first thing that we need to realize is that God loves righteousness in our lives. So often we go to the Bible, and we rightfully so, we want to learn from it, and we want God's blessing in our life. And we want to know pragmatically what we should do and, and how we should live and these kinds of things. But we, we want to kind of see God bless us in life. But when we go to God's Word, from God's perspective, the Bible is the pathway of righteousness. And it's so easy for you and for me to kind of miss that or neglect that or kind of put that as a side thing 
First and foremost, we go to God's Word because God is saying, here's what, here's who I am as a holy God of heaven. Here's what I require. And I want you to be righteous and you should be coming to me. I want to give my righteousness to you and we should be going to His Word for that. We try hard at Rivers just to, as we unpack and look at God's Word for it to speak into our lives and to let it to speak and not color it where it shouldn't be colored and not you know, twist it or shape it or push it to whatever we want it, but just let it speak and let it say what it's going to say. And what God's Word tells us over and over and over again is that He is a God of righteousness that favors us being good and right and holy in this life. And He's given this Word to us. And Proverbs is all about you and me pursuing for wisdom, not just not how to be successful in life or how to be effective. I spent last week talking about finances and all of that. But God wants us to know what's good and what's right and honorable before Him and to live in that. So that's the first thing I want us to recognize. The second thing I want us to recognize in Proverbs is that God blesses righteous people. I had to cut out so many of these blessings. It's kind of like, almost like a bouquet of roses. Like, well, I'll take that one out. You kind of got to trim it down, you know. And Like there are so many, so many verses that talk about it, but read some of these with me. In, in Proverbs 10.3, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but He thwarts the craving of the wicked. First blessing we bump into this morning is that God provides for those who are righteous. He says they don't go hungry. He doesn't let them go hungry. Now you and I might miss a meal or two, and you know we might not have some of the things that we'd like, but He's saying... God's saying, when you follow me, and you are my child, and you know my Son, the Lord Jesus, you've surrendered your life by faith to Him, and my righteousness is upon you, I'll take care of you. No matter if you've lost your job or not, no matter if you are under threat of losing your job or not, or your industry is shutting down or not, or what's going on, or if you're in the middle of the changes or, or not, he doesn't say that we won't in a moment's time be homeless or go through challenges of life, but He says, I'll take care of you and I will provide for you. That means on one hand that when you and I are taken care of, we need to make sure we give good credit to God and not us. And not just our, you know, not to our luck and definitely not to the stars or the situations at hand or any of those things that we give God credit for what we have in life and it means that we can walk in a security that He provides for us. But He does more than just that. In, in verse 9, He says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be, will be found out. So many of these are the positive and negative side of it. If you and I are not righteous before holy God, all bets off. He, won't, he, is, not, he is not under obligation to take care of us one whit, not one bit. When we walk in integrity, because we have a relationship with Him, we walk securely. That The idea of integrity is, is wholeness, it's soundness, completeness. If you're looking at your house and your siding is made out of wood and you've got some punky spots that aren't so good, you're kind of poking it to see. The boards that are solid and are not rotten, they're boards of integrity. They're complete. They're pure, if you will. They're solid. They're, they're of a foundation. They're whole. 
And the Bible's telling that you and I should live in our such a way and our, our things that we say, the actions that we do should be, there shouldn't be anything rotten in it. There shouldn't be anything questionable in it. It should be a whole kind of thing. And when we live our life that way, we live in security. See, righteousness brings security in our life. It brings a, a stability to us. I want stability. I want to be provided for. I like security. Chapter 10, verse 24, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest or the storm passes, the wicked's no more, but the righteous is established forever. You see, God's telling us, guys, that the pathway to the things that we want in life come through a relationship with Jesus Christ and through the righteousness that He gives us. When we walk in that and we live within that, we don't dread what comes that whatever may come out there. And we know that the storms are going to come. They're going to wash over us no matter what, right? We can't control the storms whatsoever. I'm not sure if I lived in Florida where they're always every year like watching the latest hurricane, kind of like if you watch the weather channels, it's like fastballs coming or curveballs are going to curve our way or not. Like I think I would get out of that. I'd be a little tired of the storms. Like I'll let those folks deal with it and let their insurance pay for it. But there's always going to be storms in our life no matter where you live, no matter what we do, no matter how we walk through it. And those individuals who are living out in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and His righteousness is in their life, and I'll unpack that in a minute, we live securely and we walk through some heavy storms in life and God takes care of us. There's a security in our life, a stability. There's a provision. Chapter 10, verse 28, The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless. There's that word. It's the same word actually in Hebrew as integrity. But destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be moved, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. You see, we all want joy in our life. We're headed into the Christmas season of joy. I think Christmas is the favorite season for so many because so many don't have a real source of joy in life. Now, Sean, I like Christmas anyway, not just because oh, it's okay if you like Christmas, I get it. But I'm telling you, the world around us wants the kind of the excuse to have that and that need that, that, that kind of that focus. And what the Bible says is that when we have a righteousness of Jesus, there's a joy that comes because of an expectation of our future, because we live out our life within a the, the relationship and the protection and the caring and the provision of a God in heaven. That doesn't mean we don't understand that we always understand what's going on and maybe and don't like some of the things that go on and don't go through some difficult and dark times. But in the middle of it, we know that there's a God in heaven that who has received us. And then even when we've messed up and made messes in our life, that He's forgiven us. And there's a joy and a settledness that comes in the middle of that. And chapter 11, verse 3 says, the integrity, again, the purity, the blamelessness, a, a picture of righteousness of the upright, the person who's upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. 
When you and I are pursuing righteousness or trying to figure out what to do and what not to do, one of the questions we should be asking is, is where does this, does this lead toward righteousness? Does this lead toward goodness? Does this lead toward what is right and that which is good? Is there any hint of anything in here that's not right? If there is, we leave it alone and we walk away. And it guides our path. It gives us a direction and a trajectory in life of what we should do. And in chapter 11, verse 10, I love these. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the right upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Same theme in chapter 14, the Bible says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So righteousness, individually in our lives, blesses us, but then through us, we become a blessing in the community at large. And what the Bible tells us in these verses is when our leaders in our community or our nation or our city or whatever, wherever we're living, whatever form of government, when that is being led in a good and honorable and integrity and a blameless and a purity in a godly way, it is a tremendous blessing to that nation and that city and into that community because the blessing of God is coming down to that group through those individuals. This week is voting week. I would encourage you to vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That is your decision between you and God. But may I make the observation that the verses we just read told us that we should actually want people in office who are good and honorable and righteous and trustworthy, integrity, people of integrity, people that are blameless. And actually, we should care about that more than we care about money or more about what our particular registered party is doing or not doing, or what our union says to do or not to do, that our real litmus test, that the blessing of God that comes into our, our cities and our nation and our world is through a godly, righteous leadership. And that really, the morality of the leaders that we're voting for is what matters the most to God. And it should matter the most to us. And if we want our nation to be blessed, whether inflation, recession or not, and all the things that come along, we should be considering the morality and the personal lives and, and the public policy of those leaders that we're voting for. And thankfully, we live in a nation where we do have a vote and we do have a voice and we ought to vote accordingly. But so clearly, God says, righteousness is what I love and I bring blessing to a community through leaders who are righteous. And last thing with that, the blessing of it, look at what Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7 says, The righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The greatest blessing that we can pass along to our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews, frankly, even our neighbors and those around, it's the blessing of righteousness, of God's blessing in our life. And there is a tendency that when we live that out, that those around us see it. And when we've lived that in such a way and we share and talk about that, 
that those blessings naturally splash over into their life, and very often, if not most often, they end up wanting the source of that hope. They want the solutions in life that they see in our lives. And we have an influence and an opportunity to share and engage with them. And that's what this proverb is telling us. It's such a tremendous promise to us, but the greatest blessings that we could ever bring is by living out that righteous life before God and passing that on to the next generation. So, so we don't talk probably as much about this as we should, but what God cares is our own how we live. The very end of Ecclesiastes, which is also written by Solomon, I've just finished it up in my devotion time, but he sums everything up. He says, look, at the end of the day, it's all about this. Fear God and do what God says because every single thing you do is going to be judged by God, whether right or wrong. Now, that's a, that can be a pretty crushing statement. It's a statement we all need to wear and to realize that everything. You know, I won't ask for polls how many of us, you know, did some things when we were younger that we're not proud of and wish we hadn't have done. I'd raise both my hands and, you know, all my feet if I could suspend myself in air. And God says, He judges and He sees all of it. I mean, how many of us have worked for a boss and kind of glad, whew, I'm glad they weren't there when I did that. <laughs> Let me fix that and get that right, you know, or, you know. And God holds us accountable for every single thing. I'm grateful for Jesus, and we'll get to the good part in a minute. i got to give you the bad news here first. It kind of has to stick before we get to the good news. Good news isn't good news unless you have the bad news first. It's just really the way it works. Good news is like, oh, okay, whatever. You kind of don't pay attention to it, and you really realize how bad things are. You know, the bad news is, sorry, you got a $10,000 fine. <gasps> oh, my goodness. No, the good news, I'm going to pay it for you. Oh, thank you so much, you know. I mean, somebody paying a fine that you don't know anything about is not good news to you. So first problem that you and I need to realize is, is that we think we're righteous and we're really not. We're fooled. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 21.2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So, we think that everything we do is okay. We look at our life. I'm, I'm clean. I wash my hands. They're good. Until you put the black light or the UV light or whatever, and it shows you all the little creepy crawlies and all the germs and you know all the stuff crawling around on you. We think we're good. And God is telling us is that we are absolutely clueless when it comes to our own moral standing before God. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. When you and I think that we're clean, we're not. We're not at all. And we still have our filthy pollution in our heart. You see, we're not clean on the outside, and we're not clean on the inside, according to Proverbs. You know, we're we're not there. We're clueless. And this reality applies even to kids. Look what chapter 20, verse 11 says. Even a child makes himself known by his acts. Get this. Whether his conduct is pure and upright. What this means is, is that the youngest of children don't escape this either. 
that their actions and their behaviors and their attitudes stand before a holy God just like the oldest among us. That we all stand before God. One of the misconceptions that is common in the world around us today, and we allow these things kind of... It's kind of like if you're not paying attention, it's, they sneak into your thinking. But, you know, kids are not born good. They're not even born morally neutral. They're born little dirty sinners. And while they may love you to a degree, they're out to get you, mom and dad, and get their way. Oh, Sean, that's horrible. Your poor eight kids that you have, they must just be really troubled in their life. Now, I love my kids tremendously, but I knew day one they were going to be bad. Every single one of them. Got a grandson. He's bad too. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. His mom and dad will probably give him opportunities. You know, he'll have plenty of opportunities to tell him how bad. I say that to say this, somehow in the world around us, we think our kids are neutral and that they're okay, and we just don't want to break them, we don't want to damage them. They're already broken. They're already messed up. They arrive and are handed into our little arms, broken individuals who are sinners ultimately before God, separated from a God in heaven, and they are out for themselves. You can't break them. You can't break what's already broken. And our job as mom and dad is to speak into their life righteousness and goodness and help hold them accountable, help them to know the love of God first and to, love, and to see God in all of His wonder and all of His grace and all of His goodness, but help them realize, yeah, you are a sinner and God wants to forgive you that. But none of us escape this. We don't like this. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to admit it. We hate it. We hate accountability. And I, it just, we don't want it to stick. But I don't know how to say it any other way, but it's this. And not accepting this reality is the number one reason why people don't go to heaven and why people don't really follow Jesus. Or why people think that they are okay when they're really not. Is they really are not willing to accept their sin before a holy God. And if that's you today and you're thinking, well, I'm really not a bad person. Like, Sean, why are you dwelling on this? Then that's actually you. You see, those who know Jesus and surrendered their lives to Jesus, they've already crossed that bridge. They already know that they're sinners. They know, like, yeah, got me. I'm guilty. And thank the Lord, Jesus paid for that. It's those of you sitting there this morning that are saying, well, I'm really not a bad person. I've always been good. I'm, I'm, I'm a good, decent person. I'm good enough. I'm okay with God. You're actually the ones that need to hear this, that God looks at you and says, no, you're not good. You're, you're not good at all. Look what the second problem is. The first one is we're clueless. We don't really understand what that's all about. And the second problem is, is that we can't make ourselves righteous. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. So not only do we not understand that we're not righteous, but we can't clean ourselves. We can't clean it up. We can't take care of it. Whatever we do, it's still dirty. We can't clean that off the, on our heart. Isaiah 64 says, We've all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So in other words, we do our very best and say, Okay, I know that I'm not a good person. Well, let me go get it all cleaned up and washed up. 
And for us, that means let me be religious and let me go to church and let me go to you know, all these things. Let me make sure I've gotten baptized or I've gotten my kids baptized because I want to clean all of that stuff up. And we clean it all up and we offer it to God and God's looking at us. He's like, no, your best is still filthy. It would be like me cleaning, you know, uh, the car engine or working on the car and all the grease and nasty grime and all that and then wanting to, you know, go to my daughter and son-in-law like, hey, can I wrap your kid, you know, my grandson in this cloth? He'd be like, what are you doing? You know, lost your mind. And that's the way our lives are. Is that we think we're offering God good stuff and God says, no, it's filthy. Because from God's perspective as a holy God who's never uttered or done anything wrong, thought anything wrong, said anything wrong, never even had an inclination for it, and that everything in our life is tainted by our selfishness and our greed and our pride and all of the, the junk that runs around in our heart that we can't control and that gives us issues and that causes us such problems internally in our heart. And the Bible just says we can't fix it. We can't fix it ourselves. This is the core of the Christian teaching. This is the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is recognizing these principles. Is that God loves righteousness. He wants to bless us when we're righteous, but there's a problem. We think we're more righteous than we really are, and we're clueless. And then when we kind of discover that we've done some things that aren't right, we try to clean it all up ourselves. and, And God's looking at us like, yeah, that's not good enough. You're never going to get it clean. That's a big problem. And we have to get to that place in our life where we realize that we, in and of ourselves, are absolutely helpless before God. And that moment is when we're in a spot that we can turn to God and say, God, would you help me? I want those blessings. I want to be forgiven. I want a fresh start. I want a do-over. I want to be right with you. And I know that I've not done right in my life. When we finally admit that, then we're in a spot to go to God and experience what God says. Now, Proverbs doesn't tell us how to deal with this stuff. It just tells us the realities of it. The rest of the Bible tells us how to deal with it. And let me share with you chapter 4 of Romans to give you a, a snapshot of it. For what does the Scripture say? Romans 4 says, Abraham believed God, and here it is, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, in the Old Testament, simply put his faith and trust, surrendered in faith and trust to God, and God counted that as righteousness on his account. Let me explain it a little bit more. Just as in verse 6, David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, In other words, God counts righteousness on our accounts individually apart from what we do. Can't go to enough Bible study classes, confirmations when we were younger don't work, baptisms when we were younger. All those things that we do doesn't bring righteousness into our life. God is the one who looks at us and says, I'm going to count and I'm the one that makes that decision as the judge. I'm going to declare righteousness. You see, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. All the sins and things that we've done wrong are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. 
the righteousness that Proverbs is talking about is not when you and I have cleaned up our lives of our own accord and made ourselves good and presentable to God. Kind of like when company comes over, you clean up the house and quick whip around and you know take care and okay, I'm presentable. We try to do that and God says it's not good enough. Righteousness is actually God putting on our account, our moral, spiritual account, not a bank account, but a spiritual account, righteousness on our behalf. And it's His goodness, it's His perfection that He covers our sin and that He declares us to be right and good despite all of the wrong that we've done in our whole life. Folks, that is the most amazing news and deal in the whole world to think that I have messed up so bad and royally in life and no chance to do those things over and fix those things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have deep regrets and wish you wouldn't have done this or that and caused such trouble. And God in heaven looks at it and says, yep, you shouldn't have done that. You made a mess and you are guilty. And it was shameful. But then to have God also in heaven say, but I want to forgive that. And I want to cover that sin because you can't. And I want my righteousness to come onto your account. And I want to be able to declare you to be blameless and pure, even though you are full of blame and you are so impure and you are so unrighteous and so ungodly. And God does that through one mechanism. He does it through His Son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. You see, our sin and guilt earned us death and separation from God. And that's for you and me to be declared righteous by a holy God in heaven. Somebody had to die instead of us. And that's what Jesus did. And when He died on that cross, He paid the penalty for our sins and all that we've ever done and all that we will ever do. Which is why we turn and we say, I just want to surrender to Jesus. And I put my trust that what He did on the cross is enough. It's what He did. It's not what I do. It's what He did. And when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that is a one-time surrender into our life that lasts a lifetime. That God adopts us into His family and He covers our sin. And no matter what things that we do in our life that we still struggle with, that God still looks at us and says, I don't see any of that sin. I just see a covering of my goodness and my righteousness. And when we live out our life within that, the blessing of God follows into our life. So often, people, religious people make a mistake thinking that they can just kind of go to church or you know, kind of believe in God, maybe read a little Bible, pray, and that just somehow God's going to bless them. And that's not enough, folks. You can do all of those things and not have a relationship with God. You can do all of those things and God's still looking at you like, yep, I still see your sin. Yep, I know you're trying to scrub this little part off, but I still see it, sorry. And all He wants us to do is to give up and to give in and to surrender our life, not to lean on Him, back to stop leaning on Him and to surrender to Him. And what Jesus did on the cross is what brings forgiveness to us. Then and only then do we experience the righteousness of God. And then the rest of our life, once we receive Jesus, is very simple. We are continue to grow in that. And that's where it can be a little confusing. That's kind of the second confusing thing. But 
We choose to grow in righteousness every day. Look what Proverbs 9, chapter 9, verse 9 says. Once we know Jesus, once we've surrendered our life to Him, there's a pragmatic, practical working out of what God declared us as a verbal pronouncement then becomes a practical reality in our life. Proverbs 9, 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. We become a righteous man in God's eyes when we surrender and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are free and clear of everything we've ever done, ever will do, and God looks at us as our judge and says, I declare you to be just, to be right, to be within the law, and righteous. And that's His declaration as our judge. Even though we still have sin and wrestle with that in reality, but what God tells us then with Proverbs 9, 9, there's many other verses like it, is that we should still learn and pursue that. And to, to learn not just what to know and stuff to, you know, just in our head, but to learn what it means to live out that righteousness. And as we do, we increase in that. We grow in that. And the rest of our life is spent out of that kind of that wisdom. So as we think about Proverbs, guys, it's not just a, you know, 10 steps of how to be successful in life and how to get God to bless you, you know, how to get the genie out of the bottle and get the three little wishes in life. It's us experiencing the God of heaven and His character covering our garbage and His character more and more being lived out in our life as we take steps to follow Him. So this morning as we celebrate the Lord's table and the Lord's Supper, it's meant to be a celebration of this, that when we have surrendered our life to Jesus, that we stand righteous before Him today. And I know that seems so crazy, but whatever sin you committed yesterday, or the sin you did the day before, or whatever is wrestling with today, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your sin is covered. Well, Sean, shouldn't it bother us? Absolutely, it should bother you. God wants us to confess it and to deal with it. That's that growing and practical working out of that. But there should be a twofold thing going on in our heart when we come to terms with those sins. God, thank you that you saved me and you already paid for that. And I don't have anything more to pay. Thank you. That should be a celebration to us when we participate in this, the Lord's table as a reminder of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection that Jesus already paid for all of it. And on the other hand, we should say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. Would you help me to learn and understand a little bit deeper what I struggle with there and how and help me to battle those temptations and help me to grow in righteousness. God, I, I want that. There should be those that twofold thing together. One without the other is a disaster. You know, trying to be good without thanking God that He's already called you to be good, that's terrible. Because it then puts it like all on you. But just thanking God that you're forgiven and not recognizing you need to grow in it is also terrible because it's just like, okay, I can go do and live however I want. That is not what God has, tells us, what He wants for you whatsoever. But it's those two truths together that when we have surrendered our life to Jesus, all the judgment has passed. There is no more judgment for you and me to stand 
under. God has already pronounced us as righteous. But He says, now I want you to grow in that. I want to help you in that. So it's a twofold thing. So this morning, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus in faith, that just you've come to that place to say, God, I know that I've sinned before you, and you're not trying to make yourself good enough, and you've just you know come clean before God in your life, and you've received Jesus as Lord of your life, and the best of your ability, you're pursuing and trying to live godly and honor Him. You're not perfect, not any more than I am, and will ever be until heaven. And if you can say yes to both of those hands, then we invite you to celebrate this table. It's a twofold question. It's a table that when we open the, the juice the, in a minute, it's a picture of Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for us, and that wafer is a picture of His body that was broken for us, that He died for our sins. It's a picture that our sins are forgiven forever. But it's also a picture that in that, because they're forgiven, that we can grow, and we are. And God wants us to work on that. So this morning, if you can say yes to those things, we invite you to participate in that. And if you can't, then it's better if you just don't. And you just pray and think about the things that I've talked about. Father, I thank you that while our righteousness is no good, and it was, it's the best that we can come up with, is still filthy. That the righteousness of Jesus, who knew no sin, but He became sin for us, so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him, that we could be made Your righteousness. Lord, thank You for that reality. Thank You that we can stand perfect and pure and forgiven. Lord, I don't comprehend that well. I don't know if we really fully understand the depth of that. But Lord, thank You for that reality. Help us to live out our life in that security and confidence and knowing that we get to experience all of the blessings that we talked about. Lord, forgive us when we pursue the blessings apart from You and apart from righteousness. Lord, that's not what it's about. It's about Your righteousness and life with You, and then You promise to take care of us because we're Your kids, and we've come to You on Your terms. So Lord, thank You for all that You've done through Jesus on that cross to make that possible. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen.